All right, if you guys have your Bible, your Bible, did I didn't even say that right? Uh, no one's online, so we're good. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 146. It's at the end of the Psalms. It's getting towards the end. and uh, We're going to get into Psalm pretty, uh, 146 pretty quick today. But these last five Psalms are what's known as the Hallelujah Hymns. And they bring our time in the Psalms to a close, I think perfectly, as probably the people that put together the Psalms would think that it's perfect as well. So um, they end reminding us that it is important to worship God and God alone, right? We just sung in Christ alone, and Christ is God, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all worthy of all our praise at all times. And so I pray that we may offer praise to Him and Him alone for all of our days. That we may see that He alone is worthy of all our praise. And I pray that we may remember this for all our days, not just all our days, but even as this prayer is about to pray, to all generations. So us, our children, our children's children, our children's children, children, all the way down, that for generation, generation, they will just say, praise the Lord. And let me start by praying this psalm. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the seas and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widows and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked He brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Psalm 146 has one of my favorite themes of the Psalms. And I would call it a grand theme of the Psalms. And it's this. Put not your trust in princes. Maybe uh, it's maybe it's been uh, the politics over the last four years. Like I mean, when we started the psalm, we were in an election year, the last year of Obama, and well, I started the psalms and found out that Trump was running during the psalms, and then like Trump and Hillary, and there was just so much conflict. And then, uh, especially being here in the Northwest, like anything that Trump says or tweets, it's just been. Um, it's just been slammed and not not sought after real well uh, from a lot of my friends. And then I have other friends who just love him and think that Trump is uh, is a great president. And and then there's been also this year, right, with all the confusion in life. We've got COVID. We've got riots. But we also have like peaceful protest. And we've got like all these different things that are going on. And it brings this confusion. And we find, I find that for me, politics and politicians drive me absolutely crazy. 
The fact that they pretend to know what they're doing, what they're saying, and how it's all going to work out drives me insane. And yet, Psalm 46 in this grand, this grand theme brings some sanity back into my life. God reminds us that we uh, of where we are to place our trust in all things and at all times. And in all things and at all times, our trust is not in princes. Or let me say it another way. Our trust is not in presidents. Our trust is not in governors or mayors or legislatures or the new law that's coming out that will fix everything. This is a huge relief to me. And as well, I wish that I, I always felt this way, knowing that some trust in princes, but that's not where we find our trust best suited. And yet, while we can pay the government the respect they deserve as leaders, we as Christians say, praise the Lord. This is where I place my trust. The fact that um, politicians fail us, and everyone ever, always, they, they just have, and if they haven't failed us, they've failed someone else in making us succeed. This to me proves the Bible true. This to me proves the Bible true in part. That God knew that leaders would fail over and over and over again. We see this and yet somehow when we're failed, we're surprised or we're disappointed or maybe even discouraged when it happens. And we blame it on the other side's politics. Well, if it's not us that's wrong, it's certainly them that's wrong. And when that is not it at all, it is simply that mankind, regardless of their politics or position, is not fully equipped to lead other mankind. And God knew this. He still knows it. That's why He still reminds us over and over and over again, princes will fail us. Leaders will absolutely fail us. And those in leadership over us, they, we just have to admit, they are insufficient for the task. And whereas this may be at times easier to see in politics, but it's also true in our work. It's also tr true of those of us who are leading in, in our households. It's also true of those leading your church right now and churches in general. But human power and ingenuity is not enough. And if we lean too heavily on that, it will fail us every single time. And we as humanity, we are unreliable. We flex and we waver. And we say things uh, that we think are correct, but they're incorrect. And sometimes when we fight against correctness... We try to correct this sometimes, but the correction sometimes leads to a more grievous error, even in that. Humanity, at, at its best, is seen in our leaders and our princes, maybe even seen in the times of real struggles like we have today. That when, if we think of humanity, it's not a firm place to build our foundation. It's not a firm place to build our foundation. We are unreliable, transitory, even if we're stable, I know some people that are stable, and even them that's more transitory, and powerless to enact real and lasting change. And this doesn't mean that we don't strive for good works, and, and, and by faith that we can make a change in this world. We need to strive to do good uh, works and live for justice, 
but we will fail at times. Just as Jim and I were talking before the service is like, we do have convictions that we don't want to support slavers, and yet sometimes we buy stuff unintentionally to, that supports slavery. And we do it unknowingly, but at the same time, like we fail at times, and we don't do this perfectly, but we get to keep on trying. And I'm not actually a downer on humanity. In fact, one of the reasons why I love the Psalms is because I'm an optimist. I think it shows the best of humanity. I think the Psalms are so honest because they show what a real person is like. I believe in humanity's ability for goodness and kindness to act in justice and mercy towards others. I believe that leaders can be good and enact justice and bring seasons of peace to their people. However, no leader, no matter how big or how small their reign is, has the breath of life in them. Not one. They can be a witness to it, and they can witness about it, but the breath of life belongs to God and is best seen in Jesus as He shows us His breath by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we compare princes to God in His triune nature of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we just don't measure up. No human does. God is more constant than the Son. He is more patient than we can imagine. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And in His grace and love, He has given us His breath of life. The breath of life is, is, a, is simple life. As in our heartbeat and our lungs that are filled with air, we can see Jesus... We can see in Jesus that all of our life becomes so much more when we learn to abandon our trust in ourselves and our trust in leaders and our trust in humanity and place our trust in Christ and Christ alone. These last five psalms are songs of worship. And worship is total abandonment to God. We categorize them as self-abandonment uh, self-abanishmizing worship. This is what we do, where we are letting go of ourselves and clinging to Jesus. And in Psalm 146, we are letting go of our desire to put our trust in politics and grasping to Jesus as our better king. I'll say this, at Grace and Mercy, you can vote for Trump, you can vote for Kanye, you can vote for Biden, you can write in some other political party, you can vote for the Green Party, and you know what? At the end of the day, we are all secure with Jesus Christ being our King. This is not what we're going to argue about. We're not going to get into this uh, and just argue and say, oh, how dare they? Because good, solid Christians vote for every single person. And yet, at the same time, good, solid Christians realize that where their voice may count in this, they're just trying to serve Jesus. And worship allows us to fully abandon ourselves and allows God's breath of life to be breathed on us. In, in other words, when we worship God over against any other lesser thing like politics, even though it's important, it's still less important than God. It's a breath of fresh air that gives us life and brings us life. The word in verse 2 that is translated in English is having my being or have my being is a word that signifies possession. We are owned by this. We are controlled by it. We belong to it. This is what we offer to Jesus that His Holy Spirit will possess us. 
That we are owned by God. That we are controlled by God. And more than that, that we belong to God. We have found the place that we belong. And that, that we want to belong. And the, the cool thing is, is that God is not forcing us into this possession. It's not, the, it's not that type of ownership. That's not how God works. We have tasted and seen that God is good. We found that God is worth selling everything for. We abandon everything, including ourselves, and we follow Him. We follow Him with our life, with our money, with our work, with our music, with our, with our everything. Over, We give everything over to Him, and we see that in this, He gives us life. And for this, we worship Him. We need the breath of God in our life. Amen? This is a good thing. It brings about transformation in us. We are not the same person after we worship with self-abandonment because we are changed by God's presence. We are changed by His grace and His love and His goodness, by His light and His life. We are changed by His pronouncements over us. Pronouncements like, even if we don't feel very loved, he says this, you're my beloved. Even if we don't feel clean, we've got sin that seems to just cling to us, he declares this, you are clean. Even though we don't feel like anything that we do is right, he says, if you walk with me, you have my righteousness. We are his, and he is ours, and this is beautiful, and this beauty changes us. It changes our hearts, it changes our minds, and it shapes our lives. We need the breath of God in our culture as well. Amen? We know that we can't put our trust in leaders, that the breath of God, if it was unleashed on our community, is the only thing that would transform our communities once and for all. The breath of God would bring real and lasting social transformation that we so desperately long for in these times. Real change, again, isn't found in politics or a political figure. It is found in the life-giving breath of God. And we give ourselves fully to this worship of Jesus for this. These last five psalms, and this one included, don't leave us with an ambiguous call of worship. It's not just like, hey, worship. They leave us and they lead us in a command to praise the Lord. When we say this to our soul, praise the Lord, we are not asking a question. We are not saying praise the Lord. We're saying praise the Lord. We are giving a command that we expect to be followed in totality. This is not some sort of weird science or, or magic or anything, but we we do need to remind ourselves often to praise the Lord, to command our souls to lift up the one who is worthy of all our praise. We need to do this so that we can be reminded to abandon ourselves, abandon our thoughts, abandon our concerns, abandon our worries, and give them up and over to Jesus. We need this so that, he, so that we can give ourselves over to Jesus in worship. So that we can be possessed with the worship of Jesus. And I, I know that possessed is a strange word to use in the ch church. I don't know if I've ever heard that used for worship. I'm not saying I haven't. I just don't know. But this is what we want for our souls. We want our soul to be soaked in 
to be marinated in the worship of the one who deserves all our praise. We get to be needy before Jesus. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. He is the one who sustains them. He is the one who keeps faith forever. He works outside of our power base and our power structures here that we've set up here on earth. The fact that He is creator and sustainer proves His worthiness to be praised. God is that big. God is that intelligent. God is that creative. God is that life-giving. God is that gracious. And God is that powerful. And God is worthy of all our praise. He doesn't have to use our economic systems as we see them. His breath transcends all of that. God's real and lasting power lands outside and above of any power structure that we've set up here on earth. And that's why it's good to make God the bedrock for our life. To make Him our firm foundation. To make Jesus Christ our cornerstone that the rest of our house, the rest of our life is built on. We can notice something in this prayer of self-abandonment. That if we abandon ourselves, we are left weak and needy. And that's the point. That's the point. That we become helpless. That we become less. That we get to become poor. That we get to become hungry. That we get to become thirsty. That we get to become needy. So that God can be our help. God can become our wealth so that God can become our food and our water, so that God can fulfill our needs in Christ time and time and time again. In the Psalms and in the rest of Scripture, we see Jesus shows up not for those who are well, but for the sick. Not for those who don't feel like they need Him, but for those who recognize their neediness. And it's not a one-time neediness, it's a constant neediness. Those who don't think uh, they can do it on their own. One constant in this is that God's power shows up in human weakness. In Luke chapter 7, which basically quotes this psalm, John the Baptist wanted to know, is Jesus the Messiah? Is Jesus the Savior? Is Jesus the one worthy of all our praise and our worship? So while John was in prison, his disciple, he sent his disciples to seek Jesus and ask him. And Jesus answered John's disciples by showing them. He did a bunch of stuff. And then he said to him, he said, in that hour he healed many people, many diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were the blind, he bestowed sight and he answered them. Go, tell John all that you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news to preach to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Who's not offended to the point of weakness in admitting our need for Him. Jesus was fulfilling the the prayer of Psalm 146 in these acts. Jesus was executing justice for the oppressed. His power was on full display through human weakness. And to prove this further, Jesus didn't just go and take the throne of Israel and kick out the Romans. He came. He served in humility. Not only in humility, but He served the most humble, the poorest, the most hungry in their midst. 
He came in the weakness of human form to become a sacrifice for us. He came to give His cleansing blood for us. He came to give His breath, His very breath, so that we might have breath forevermore. Jesus, the Creator of all things, didn't take the throne like our leaders take thrones. He came and was anointed by a prostitute for burial. He was betrayed by all His friends. He was subject to mock trials, rejected by all the people that care for Him so much. He was whipped so that by His stripes we might be healed. He was hung on a cross. A spear was drove through His side and He died. He was buried and He rose again on the third day in accordance with Scripture. He was seen by many after His resurrection and we believe that He rules and reigns from heaven and is preparing a place for us so that we can spend eternity with Him. The Lord reigns forever. And the Lord won this battle through death. Life in the resurrection as well. This is not how our princes rule. This again that the Lord will reign forever and ever. This is not a suggestion. It is an assertion. The Lord will reign. The rich and powerful people of this world with their devices of power and their tricks are laid aside and Jesus is elevated in humility. So this begs us, where do we place our hope and our trust? Where can our real joy come from? This is my prayer for Grace and Mercy Church as we end our time in the Psalms. The one thing that the Psalms have taught us over and over and over again, let us be weak and needy. We don't put our trust in princes, but we don't put our trust in ourselves as well. We place our trust in Jesus. And I pray for us at Grace and Mercy Church, let us command our souls to praise God. Many of us through these psalms have been in places of struggle where we just don't want to lift up the name of Jesus. And we get to say, souls, praise the Lord. Worship Him for He's worthy of all our praise. I pray that we may be possessed by the Holy Spirit. The goodness and grace of our risen Savior just occupy everything in us and control everything from our words, our actions, our deeds, and our motivations. That we can lean into the Holy Spirit and that He can be our breath and bring us real transformation into our lives and into our communities. Let us go and place our trust in the one that is worthy of all our praise. Let us build a foundation on the worship of Jesus. You know why? Because He'll never fail us. He will sustain us and He will come to our aid as we are weak and poor and blind and in desperate need of Him. He will be faithful to all generations as we do this. We get to look back and see that He's been faithful thus far. And the good thing about Jesus is He won't quit. He won't give up on us. His love is unending. So let us praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus, may we praise you all the days of our lives. And may this praise and worship extend beyond our generation to the generation of our children and their children's children and even beyond that. In Jesus' name, amen.